And it's good to welcome Mike Robbins with us today. Mike, if you want to come up. Mike is a, is a good friend of mine, and he works for Compassion. Mike spoke here several times over the past few years, and I don't want to steal your thunder this morning, Mike, but I think as a church, we sponsor something like 60 children. You'll tell us probably the exact figures in a minute. So we love Compassion. We are really passionate about the work they do, and we're excited to hear what you're going to share with us. You're going to share a little bit of an update at the moment, aren't you? Then you're going to bring the word to us shortly. So I'm going to hand over to you to do your thing. Thank you very much. Um, it's great to see you guys. Great to be with uh, Luke and Gemma and Renew Fellowship with friends old and new. Um, you guys all happy? Are you excited? Do you ever get excited about Jesus and what he's doing? All right, because what we're going to do is in a minute or two, I'm not over convinced at the moment, but in a minute or two, <laughs> we're going to be looking at the impact of what you do as a church. Uh, years ago, a guy called Everett Swanson was preaching the gospel in South Korea. Uh, he was an American evangelist, and after he'd finished his preaching, he was ready to fly out the following morning, and he makes his way to the airport, uh, uh, but on the way to the airport, he stops and pauses because he just wanted to look around the city, and as he looked around the city, he saw what he thought were utility vehicles collecting old rags and things. And so curiously went over and had a look. As he looked at these, uh, these utility vehicles, he realized that it wasn't rags that were being thrown into the back of these utility vehicles. It was the bodies of the children that had died in the night. He went through a paradigm shift that moment. He would never be the same again. All the way back on the plane, so his testimony says, all he could hear through the throb of the engines was, see, this is where I'm going to get emotional now. What are you going to do about the children, Everett? What are you going to do about the children, Everett? What are you going to do about the children, Everett? Now, I work for compassion. I'm, a, I'm an Elim, I'm a Pentecostal minister, so I've got, plenty of ex I've got enough excitement for all of us here today, so that's fine. <laughs> um, but I've given up a really good church to come and work for an organization that is releasing 2.1 million children from poverty in the name of Jesus. That's worth getting excited about. But it was a paradigm shift. I'm going to be preaching about paradigm shift in a moment or two. Uh, can we have the screen on, please, the PowerPoint? That'd be fab. And, uh, you know, feel free to get overexcited and um, stand on your chair and cheer. As long as you've done risk assessments and all that, everything's fine. So, uh, Compassion Sunday. Today, we're going to celebrate what you've done, the impact of what this church has done. Next slide, please, if we may. <clears throat> Over the past 12 months through this church, above and beyond all of your giving, above and beyond all of your missions giving, separate to Compassion, you have given, look at that, over £26,000 to frontline mission through releasing children from poverty in the name of Jesus. That's got to be worth an applause, isn't it, or something? <laughs> Amazing. And on top of that, on top of that, you give 43 additional gifts to children. Those 43 additional gifts, those gifts will be birthday presents, Christmas presents, and so on. So get, you know, Christmas gifts, more correctly. Um, if you've got over 60 kids sponsored and you've got 43 additional gifts to children, if you do the maths a bit, uh, can I just encourage you, even if it's a five, five pound gift, you will bless that family. Um, and you need, probably need to be doing it sooner rather than later because Christmas is coming pretty quick. Don't know whether you got that memo. Okay, next uh, screen, please. That'd be great. 
Uh, 206 letters have been sent uh, by children to you, and you have sent 105 letters back uh, to those children. Can I just say to you today, you're going to be hearing a little bit in the testimonies, those letters are vital for the children. They don't see money. They, don't see, they see education. They see vaccination. They see all kinds of other stuff, food and stuff like that. But it's the letters that release the children from within. It's, this, it's when you write to a child and say, I love you. I'm praying for you. You are important to us as a family. Your picture's on our wall. Here's a photo of our kids and our family. Here's uh, P- Plymouth Barbican. Here's a photo of Plymouth. Here's the church. Stuff like that is so important for the kids. So please, please write those letters. Can I appeal to you? All those in favor say aye. 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 Great. Okay. <laughs> next, um, next one. There we go. Your sponsored children. So you sponsor 35 girls and 33 boys. So my maths reckons that's about 68 children. 68 children being set free from poverty in the name of Jesus by guys in this church. Can you just raise your hand if you do sponsor a child? Do you mind doing that? Just do this wherever I go. Thank you. On behalf of those kids, thank you so much. I'm blessed when COVID settles down again. I'm blessed to meet those kids. And I know Luke did as well. And some of the other guys have as well. Um, The difference you're making is phenomenal. Next slide, please. There are your children. Oh, if you don't see your child there, um, then you need to come and see me after the service. And I can link you uh, and your sponsorship to this church. So you need to Check that out pretty close. Can I ask you to stand to your feet now, please? Can we all stand? Is that all right? What we're going to do is we're going to pray in a moment or two over these children. Speak life over the children. These children live in extreme poverty. Extreme poverty means they live on less than, the family live on less than $1.9 a day. Generally, that's U.S. Generally, it's less than a dollar a day. Uh, These children sleep on mud floors. uh, Many of them will sleep in, in... um, ugh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. House, Adobe houses, mud and wattle houses. Um, uh, because of you, these children are being lifted. It costs 28 pounds a month to sponsor a child. That's a lot of money until you break it down. You think that's less than a pound a day. Transforms, brings a paradigm shift into the lives of the children. So if you are liberated to raise your hand to the screen, if you could do that. If you're not, that's fine. But let's pray over these children now in the name of Jesus. And say, Father, we want to thank you for every precious face that's on this screen. Thank you for Hope Baptist Church. Thank you, Father, that these children have hope because of hope. Thank you, Lord, this church lives up to its name. It's not just a title over a door. Thank you, Lord, that this is a hope-giving church. As Luke said earlier, Lord, you give us so much hope, we overflow with it and give it away. Father, we pray blessing on them. We pray for their families, for their caregivers. We pray, Lord, that you will prosper them in every way. We pray, Father, that they will have great futures, great lives through you. We pray, Lord, you'll uh, release them from poverty in the name of Jesus, and may they change their communities in the name of Jesus. We give you all the glory and thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? 
Amen. Amen. How about giving yourselves and the Lord a great big thank offering as I hand the mic back to Luke. Thank you so much. Amen. Please take a seat. We're going to come round to the Word of God now. Mike's going to bring it to us in a minute. But if you've got a Bible with you, if you want to turn with me to the book of John, we're going to be in John chapter 3 together today, beginning at verse 1. And this is what it says. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot, cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of, of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your words this morning. We thank you, Lord God, for the challenge that it gives us, for the encouragement that we see, and Lord God, the hope that it brings. And we pray, Lord God, that as Mike speaks to us this morning, as we hear from your word, that Holy Spirit, you'll be speaking to each and every one of us in this place. And Lord, may we... Uh, make you known as a result of what we hear. In Jesus' name, amen.
it's um you know i was sitting there thinking after a, after a few verses like that you don't really need a sermon do you because he said it all didn't he get born again <laughs> transition your life out of darkness into the light he'll be speaking about paradigm uh in a moment or two and paradigm is so important in fact uh i think if i had a life message i think paradigm would be it the paradigm shift what we listened to just then was a paradigm shift nicodemus has his worldview he believes this he believes this is the way he believes this is the way things should be done and then jesus comes in arrests him in that paradigm and says no reset your paradigm recalibrate to a new paradigm and when i was thinking about it when i was driving in this morning sanctification the process of becoming more christ-like is a shift of paradigm in fact that's exactly what sanctification is he's shifting us from the old paradigm of the old way of thinking the old flesh person that we were into the new christ-like person and it's a process it takes time paradigm really want us to get a hold of that word and i'm going to try and unpack that a little bit more as we go on i stood up to preach a, a few years ago and um as I got up to speak, I made my way to the platform, <coughs> got my notes out, uh, dropped my glasses down, which I keep doing now, and uh, started looking at my notes and thought, my goodness, I think, I think something catastrophic has happened. I couldn't see hardly anything out of my right eye. Left eye was fine, but the right eye was just a fog. And so I thought, what do I do? It's right at the beginning of a, a, a message that I was due to preach. What am I going to do? How am I going to manage this? And I just thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to carry on, going to keep going. I'm sure God's got it all in hand. Just keep going, keep preaching it. But, but after, the, after the service, I'm going to get myself down the hospital and get myself checked out. As I finished preaching, I made my way back to the seat. And as I got back to my seat, I glanced down and saw the right-hand lens that had dropped out of my glasses on the way up to the platform. <laughs> what am I saying that? The point is, is that my vision was impaired. My focus was wrong. The lenses were faulty. And many of us in this room today, and I say this with all respect, and I speak to me as well, our lenses are faulty. We don't see things the way Jesus sees them. And every so often, he'll bring a new paradigm shift into our lives to shift us back in to line again. I had a paradigm shift with extreme poverty. Didn't interest me. I, I worked with the poor. We had uh, projects that we'd set up in, in, in the church in Newquay that I pastored, where we looked after nine uh, young men in those days, and, uh, and so on and so on and so on. But world poverty, the, the need. A sixth of the planet live in extreme poverty. They, they poop in the open. They have no access to decent medical aid and help. They don't eat nutritious food like we eat. I had no comprehension of that. And then suddenly, it was in a moment, as it were, God lifts my eyes from what I was looking at, just ministry week after week for me in a church that I pastored for 26 years, and suddenly... The call was there. Make a difference. What are you going to do about the children, Everett? So I'm praying today that God's going to shift our paradigms in many and various ways. Many and various ways. 
Nicodemus couldn't see the truth of the situation. He couldn't see the kingdom because his spiritual lenses were wrong. He needed a visit, if you will, to the spiritual ophthalmologists. He should have gone to soul savers. <laughs> Thank you. So Jesus changes his lenses. He changes his glasses. And it's called a paradigm shift. Suddenly there's a shock. Suddenly everything I believed, everything I invested in, suddenly that isn't right anymore. Suddenly I see things differently. Suddenly I see extreme poverty. Suddenly I see I can make a difference. I can change somebody's life. That's a paradigm shift. So this message is called recalibration or shifting the paradigm. What is a paradigm? A paradigm is a set of assumptions concepts, values, and practices that constitute a way of viewing reality. Let me read that again. I know it's a bit of a mouthful, but here we go. A paradigm is a set of assumptions, concepts, values, and practices that constitute a way of viewing reality. In other words, paradigm is a filter through which I see things. It's massively important. It can be likened to a program that has been installed in your subconscious mind, like a mental program that has almost exclusive control over your habitual behavior. If you've been through the pain of uh, significant bereavement or you've been through a significant betrayal, that can shift your paradigm and you can now see things through a different paradigm. And suddenly the way you respond, the way you react is different. You know, there was... Uh, back in the day, flat earth. Most scholars believed that the world was flat. And if you looked at maps, it said monsters be here on the edges. But a paradigm shift took place when they circumnavigated the world. Magellan went round the world, the first person to go round the world in uh, between 1519, 1522. And all the maps had to be recalibrated because the paradigm had now shifted. No longer was it a flat earth. Now it's a round planet. And now everything has to change because the paradigm has shifted. And from that point on, thinking and mindset were radically different. Now, you might be at home listening to this uh, on, the, on the live feed. You could be here. My point is, is we all have a specific paradigm. And if we are locked in the old paradigm of the world, hopelessness, fear, concern. And if you look at the world today with fear and the things that are happening, we've gone through Brexit, we thought that was bad, didn't we? And then we went through COVID and we thought that was bad. And now we've got stuff going on in Ukraine and Russia and everything. If we view those things through our old paradigm, it'll be a hard life. We need to have the paradigm shift into the paradigm of, what's the name of this church again? I did hear it. What was it? Tell me. What's it called? A little bit louder. Come on. I'm a Pentecostal. Hope. Hope is the name of the church. It's the best name for a church. In my opinion, I think it's such a good name. Hope. This is the house of hope. Is it important that our, our thinking shifts? Yes, the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Wrong mindset equals wrong thinking equals wrong destiny. 
I'm going to introduce you to a, a lady, young lady. You met her last time, I think I came, but this is going to be a slightly extended version. Ginselli, we're going to see a, a video. We're going to look at a video. Hopefully, the guys have got it all queued up. We can change the story. If we could roll that video, that'd be great. Thank you. Every day, millions of children fight for their lives. They face a dangerous enemy, one who would steal their joy, their childhood, and their hope. That enemy is poverty. For a young girl like Karina, poverty doesn't just mean hunger, ill health, and a lack of opportunity. It means fear and vulnerability as she's forced to fend for herself and her younger brothers and sisters while her parents struggle every day to put food on the table. They lack the most basic of needs, and without intervention, Karina's future is an all-too-familiar story. Ginselli, a dentist from the Dominican Republic, knows more than most about the plight of those in need. Karina reminds me when I was her age because I used to live in a house like that, with only one room and no bathroom inside. It's a story of daily struggles. You start just looking at yourself like you don't have any value. You think, I cannot change what I am. My fear was to end my life as the teenagers that I saw. I always wanted to be a dentist. When I just come to my reality, I just understand that I couldn't afford that. If we didn't have just a little bit of rice in our house, how come can I pay in university? How come can I think and study? Four years ago, Karina's life changed through the help of compassion when someone at a church event chose to become her sponsor. Ginselli knows what a difference this makes. My story changed when compassion with my sponsor and also the team of my church came to my life. It was really exciting for me to go to the project because I knew that a lot of friends were waiting for me. And also because my director was really lovely. She used to hug us. She used to ask her, hey, Giselle, how are you? Through the project, I was able to go to my school with my stomach full of food. If I get sick, I have someone to take care of me. Every day we have someone who teaches a Bible story, and we used to sing, and sometimes the teacher just stand up and say, who can start praying? And a lot of kids were raising their hands, and it means that we just believe in God. God was with us. We, as a child, we are seeds. And if someone just take us and put us in the right earth and give us water through letters and water through the team of compassion, we start growing. And one day, we start giving fruits. My sponsor used to write it to me. I can do everything in Jesus Christ. So 
in the deep part of my heart, I knew that God was able to do something with my dream. If I were able to have my sponsor in front of me, the only thing that I can just tell her is just thank you. Thank you so much for changing my life. Thank you so much for my past. And thank you so much for what I am right now. Because what I am right now is because God used her so much. If someone is considering and sponsor a child, what I can say is just do it. <laughs> Don't think about it, just do it. That's it. Ginselli had a paradigm shift because a Christian somewhere had a paradigm shift. Her life trajectory changed, absolutely, because God prompted the heart of somebody else to change their life. Paradigm shift. You know, Hebrews 10.9 tells us that God has to remove the former in order to establish the new. And if you know that scripture well, you know he's talking about the shaking. He shakes the things so that the things that are shakable will fall away and the things that are unshakable, the kingdom things, remain. I've been, um, I've, this is only the second time I've preached for compassion since May. Uh, and normally I preach every week. I preach one or two other places as well. I went through an illness that really became quite significant and quite serious. Do you know what happened in the midst of that illness? I had a paradigm shift. I began to rethink life. The things that seemed important to me pre that suddenly weren't that important. Suddenly I saw things again in the way that I should see them. We go through these things, we go through these situations, often because God wants to shake away the things that aren't of him so that he can establish the new, so we can change our mindset. He shifts paradigm through crisis. I personally believe he shifted paradigm of the church through COVID. I think the church coming through COVID, the other side of COVID, is a different church. I think he's shifting it through Brexit. I think he's shifting it through many, many things. I'm going to just share really quickly with you, and I don't want to take too much time on this, but a little while back, I had some training that was massively impactful for me. The team I was leading, I had to do some training for the team I was leading. And um, the, the teaching was uh, about something called the amygdala. Have you, has anybody ever heard of the amygdala? Your amygdala is something that's located in your brain, and what it is, it gives you fight or flight. And so, um, if you're in a situation of threat, it will get you out of threat, or it will automatically make you defend yourself. 
Uh, it is, it is uh, involuntary. You don't have to think. The amygdala takes over, and it's called an amygdala hijack. And the amygdala learns as we grow, and, and it, it, it runs a program in us that we might not understand or know in later years. It's a little bit like, why do I break out in, in a cold sweat when I see a pug dog? You know, what, what is it about a pug dog that makes me get nervous and go dry in the mouth? And what it could be, and this is just an example, what it could be is as a child, maybe uh, a, a pug was a little bit snappy towards me and what have you. My amygdala noticed that, learned that, and thought, whenever you see that again, I'm going to protect you in that situation. And so for the rest of my life, whenever I'm in that environment, without thinking about it, without consciously knowing about it, it, the amygdala is protecting me. And it says either fight it or flight, run or stay. And very often we get programmed, our paradigm is set through the amygdala. We might have prejudices against somebody. We might have issues with a certain type of thing or situation. We could even in, in Christendom, dare I say it, even Christians can do that. We can have our prejudices as well. Because maybe we had a bad experience. Maybe there was something years back that, that triggered something in us. It's why for no, for no reasonable reason we may get irrationally angry at someone. <laughs> because subconsciously they, they may remind us of somebody from our past. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because these things set up paradigms in us that we filter things through and which can become problems and obstacles. And while the amygdala operates involuntarily, it can be taught. What I'm trying to say is that what happens in the natural can become embedded in the spiritual. First Corinthians 15, 46. First the natural, after that the spiritual. And then becomes the that then becomes the lens through which everything is filtered. It then becomes our paradigm. So on a good day, that's good. If my paradigm is healthy, I'll be healthy. But on a bad day, it can be destructive and it can make me react in wrong ways. Jesus wants to change all that. He wants to bring, as he did with Nicodemus, the paradigm of the kingdom. And the paradigm of the kingdom is a completely different paradigm. And I'm not going to fully get the paradigm of the kingdom, and neither are you, until we stand before him on that day. The question is, what focus, what, are, what lenses are we looking at the situations and the problems and the difficulties that we have currently through? If we're in fear about the war, we're looking at it through a faulty lens. Because Jesus is Lord. Do I hear an amen? Did you hear what Ginselli said? She said, poverty told me I was hopeless. Poverty told me that if I can't get rice on the table, how will I ever become a dentist? Ronnie, uh, one of the graduates that we work with, um, he's at Creation Fest sometimes. I always remember him introducing me to his wife. And he's got a, he's from, I think he's from Uganda. He's a glance across to Paul. He's from Uganda and uh, he's got a stunningly beautiful wife and 2.2 children, whatever it is, and a very good job, successful job. But, you know, he just glows, this guy just glows. And as he introduced me to his wife, he said, of course, he said, I'd never have met her 
if I hadn't gone through compassion. So I said, what do you mean? He said, she's way too good for me. So I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, because I was like the lowest of the low, and her family were a really good family. And he said, I'd never have met her if it hadn't have been for compassion. The shifting of the paradigm above and beyond all we could ever imagine. He wants to change the way we think. Here's the thing. Jesus comes, reveals the new paradigm. He recalibrates us. He gives us different glasses. He tells us, take the plank out of our own eye, then we can see clearly to remove the speck from our brother's eye. I remember going through a time in my church when we had a young girl come to the church. She gave her life to Christ, and uh, she, very unusual girl. Didn't, what, we weren't quite sure how to manage it, to be honest, and, and, and she, she, she had scars all up her arm where she'd been self-harming, and uh, just quite an unusual way with her. And it wasn't until we visited her, my wife and I visited her in her home, and we heard her story, her journey, if you will, how she'd been through abuse from the age of eight. And then she'd been put into foster care, and at foster care at 16 had said to her, that's it, you're out of here, we don't get any more money now, so you're going to have to go and be housed by the council. And so this beautiful, young, precious girl ends up in this very, very vulnerable situation. God had to help me take the plank out of my own eye, look at, to look at her objectively, to have a paradigm to see the need. We still see through a glass darkly, but the Bible says one day we'll see face to face. And if you remember Saul, Saul's conversion, do you remember what happened at Saul's conversion? It says this, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. You know what, if we had the worship band up here now, I'd say let's close with, I can see clearly now. <laughs> You're showing your age if you know that one. Was it an easy journey for Saul to go from Mosaic law, from, from, uh, from being a Hebrew of Hebrews, to suddenly uh, becoming uh, somebody who had to be taught the very basics? Of course not, not at all. His new paradigm was hard won. In order to change my view, to gain the new model or pattern, I have to go through the paradigm shift, and that simply takes time, and it could be painful. It could be a church running on an old paradigm. I work with lots of churches and lots of leaders in a different life that I've got. The vast majority of those churches are going through paradigm shift, working out. We are here, but we need to be here. Our thinking has always been that, but we need to, we need to get a, a, a paradigm shift from Jesus to figure out what is the new day. What is the new day? It could be a marriage. Maybe you've been through issues or going through issues in your marriage. Maybe some of you guys at home are struggling with your marriage. I want to say to you today that, that if you're struggling and you feel hopeless and helpless, I want to say to you today, consider Jesus with a paradigm shift. Look at it through the lens of hope and the cross and the, the atonement and what Jesus has purchased for us. Could be an individual could be, could be poverty. Nicodemus was a teacher. He was the ruler of the Jews. He sits on the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. He's a very learned man, knows the law off by heart, more than likely, could probably quote the Torah, could probably quote the Pentateuch. 
His paradigm is the law of Moses. That's his filter. So here we meet him at night, scared of others, worried that they might find out that he'd gone to see Jesus. What's the shift that takes place? Jesus says to him, you can't see clearly because you're looking at this thing through normal eyes. You need to be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born of the Spirit. 